and welcome to The Social Angle, a podcast that helps promo pros gain an edge in the social media realm. I'm Vinny Driscoll, and on this episode, I am joined by John Norris of Starline to talk about the importance of social media security. John, welcome to The Social Angle. Such an invigorating topic. I am so excited to bring the thunder today. Uh, thanks for having me, though. It's a good time. Absolutely. You know, I had trouble finding somebody for this, and then finally, you know, uh, Michelle's like, "Hey, why don't you uh, reach out to John Norris?" I was like, "All right, former <laughs> reach out to John. Um, He'll talk tech about exec anything. of the year." You know. Yeah. So good. how are things going up in New York? You're upstate New York, right? Yeah, upstate. Um, people like to ask me uh, how the weather was last week. Uh, then I remind them that we're about 474 miles from New York City. So yeah, I'm a little north of Buffalo, New York, literally sitting about a mile from Niagara Falls. So technically uh, on an island, Grand Island here. So. You know, sits real close to Canada, but it's great. It's sunny here. Uh, fall is officially here or unofficially here, I guess, until the end of the month. But yeah, we're rocking and rolling here. So you guys get a lot of snow up there, I presume. Yeah, we're snow capital world, right? Lake effect snow, Buffalo, we love it. So actually, I, we hate it, but we like to talk about it. So yeah, next best thing. Yeah. Well, it's rainy here today and dreary, but that's okay. It's going to be beautiful the next week or so. I'm down for fall. All right. We have a great topic today social media and cybersecurity. Um, we have a, I have a bunch of questions for you. And then at the end, we're going to make our Super Bowl predictions because today is the NFL kickoff. We've got, um, what do we got now? we got the Cowboys and Buccaneers, is it? Whoever. Actually, I, I only care about one team. So yeah. I'm a Jets so, fan. It doesn't so matter agree. who's playing tonight, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get started into the questions, can you give a brief introduction of yourself, your business, and your background in tech? Yeah, for sure. So once again, I'm John, um, I'm the CEO at Starline um, currently. So I started my background as my undergrad in engineering and mathematics, and then I went on and got a master's few years later. Uh, so I kind of started on the whole STEM world. And then I started at Starline actually as the engineer on our production floor, uh, doing a lot of time studies, uh, data analysis, and then quickly kind of learned that the path forward for me was to learn more about our information systems and try to integrate that with our production environment. So doing that, I was constantly working with software developers and then realized that like, I needed to be able to speak their lingo and communicate better with them. So, you know, went back, did some more training, a lot of courses and eventually kind of took over our IT sector here. And then that kind of put you in a good spot when you know about all the internal systems to, you know, move up a little bit and uh so now i kind of head up all of our operations here uh like i said earlier we're in buffalo we are you know have facilities in buffalo and in toronto uh kind of you know straddling both sides of the border here so it works well for us um you know it's it's been a wild wild run for the last 19 20 months to be in operations so i would like to say we've seen it all in the last 20 months but um i also said that about two months ago and now we've seen a lot more. So right. every day is a new adventure. So bring it on. Right. And you're like I mentioned earlier, you're the former uh tech executive of the year. What that was what, two thousand nineteen, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, so 18, yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was yeah, so I guess one of my passions here industry wide is uh so I head up Promo Standards, which is a uh, non profit organization in the industry that really is leading supply chain integrations with custom standards for communications between suppliers, distributors, service providers like ASI is a big uh, 
big participant in promo standards. So, you know, we are literally processing millions of data transactions across the industry every single day from, you know, the SAMRs and alphas of the world, all the way down to people you've never even heard of that are using our standards to uh, communicate, you know, order, order statuses, inventory, all, anything that you think that, you know, can pa be passed back and forth in pricing your product data is the whole shebang. So that's kind of my passion uh, outside of Starline. And we've kind of grown that thing to be uh, quite the beast. And it's really starting to show um, some great, I guess, ROI for the companies that are involved. So it's good. Well, you've certainly got the recognition behind you. Um, so you're doing something right, John. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about um, uh, cybersecurity. So, you know, recently Colonial Pipeline um, was in the news. And then right here in our industry, we've had, you know, big companies like Alpha Broder or bag makers um, who have been attacked uh, through cyber, cyber attacks. Can you tell us why they're, they seem to be on the rise and if they're more serious than they've been? Yeah, I guess a lot of it, you know, looking back, is like, why, why is, you know, ransomware and this whole, you know, cyber attacks, why is it a thing now? And it was pretty much not possible until cryptocurrency came along, right? So obviously, if I'm going to hold you hostage and say, hey, um, send me 100 bucks to my checking account, that's going to be pretty trackable, right? But the second I can have this mythical currency floating back and forth that up until recently was virtually untrackable, uh, it kind of created a whole new revenue stream for attacks. So, I mean, that's kind of what the proliferation of ransomware, you know, came to be. But then, you know, I guess if you look at our industry, yes, the Alpha Broder gets all the, you know, crap kicked out of them for, for their shindig. And then bag makers, I think those are the public ones, but unfortunately there's probably, if you look at the top 40 suppliers, a good 25% of them that are, have happened and have flown under the radar, right? I mean, for the most part, nobody, unless it's shutting down a company, nobody's going out and beating their chest saying, look at us, we just got attacked and we just had to pay ransomware for it. So you know, it's a lot of it comes down to potential of making money for you know, cyber attack. So why was Colonial so huge? Well, it's the entire East Coast, you know, oil supply or gas supply. It's a, it's something where if you can get in, there's potential there. Like why is Alpha Broder a sexier target than a $100,000 promo distributor? Well, because they're, you know, a billion plus dollars. And so a lot of it is potential targets. I mean, they're looking at company sizes and, you know, I would say, where some of these things used to be random, you know, it's like, hey, just port scan and see if you can find some vulnerabilities or trick some random bobo on Facebook. Like, and right now, these things are very much targeted. So I think, fortunately or unfortunately, the vast majority of our industry has, I guess, flown under the radar. But now that any old kid in Yugoslavia can download a, you know, few pieces of software from the World Wide Web and then be called a ransomware hacker, um, it's a little more easy to, for it to happen to anybody. Interesting. So uh, when you say fly under the radar, um, are you suggesting that possibly it's a bigger problem in this industry than, than we actually know? Like are, are companies not reporting that they're, they're, you know, they were sustaining cyber attacks? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, 
nobody wants to tell the their supply chain this has happened now right obviously now with data if i guess enter the world of data privacy and data security now there's legal reporting requirements um, i think just for the last decade prior to i guess the last few years we weren't that sexy of a target for uh cyber security yes like some punk kid can come in and just wreak havoc on your network but at the end of the day, what were they getting out of that other than some local notoriety in the underworld of the, the World Wide Web? So sure. it, it's, I would say going forward, you know, the, the easier it gets for people to do it, the more vigilant companies need to be. Um, and then I guess pay attention to the, you know, as a supplier, we have, you know, um, data and records for personal information that we have legal obligations to inform people if that's been compromised. So, you know, it's the, I guess, um, policies and procedure side of it and legal requirements are becoming more complex every day of what to do if this happens. Right. So in your opinion, are companies taking cybersecurity as seriously as they should? I think companies like to think they are, right? It's like, we have this document or we made our supply chain sign this you know, fill out this chat form saying that they're secure, right? So I think people want to make it look like they're doing the right thing. And the problem is you could have all that stuff in place and it could just take one vulnerability to really, you know, wreak havoc on your network. So I, I think we're a lot farther. I'm obviously ASI, you know, you guys have been pounding on it for about a year and a half now or for a few years. I think the more that we can get people to realize that it's not going away, right? Um, well, maybe eventually it could go away, but um, right now it's a thing and we need to take it more serious. I think the largest of the large companies in our industry have had some wake up calls and are very much taking it serious. But I would say after you get past a certain size threshold, I guess the resources to take it serious kind of dwindle. So. Sure. Sure. So I ran a poll on on Twitter and I asked the question, how seriously do you take cybersecurity at your business? Um, and Twitter allows for four answer options only. So 50% um, of the votes were very seriously. 27% was somewhat seriously and both uh, not seriously. And what cybersecurity each got 11%, which I, th I thought was pretty shocking, um, especially for the what cybersecurity um, answer. So, um, what should companies be doing to protect themselves? Oh boy. Um, a lot. All right. I, I think the biggest thing is planning. Uh, so I guess there's, if you look at, you fire up the old Google machine on cybersecurity and everybody's like, have a plan, have a education plan and response plan and prevention, detection, monitoring. You know, I think the easiest you know, let's say like you have all of your network stuff in order. I think the the biggest piece is trying, we have the human element of it, right? right? I can, you know, I can have all the tools in place and just one person goes, you know, hog wild on the wrong link, starts blasting in some information. And next thing you know, you're, you know, wiring checks to Yugoslavia again. And some kid just, you know, just ordering a billion pizzas for all of his friends. So, you know, I think, um, there's the obvious investing into the technology. If you're a small company, hire a, uh, a third party provider, hire a security expert. I mean, if you're large enough to have a team, you know, I think it should be at the core of everything you do. I mean, 
I think what's become popular for, for mid-sized companies in the last few years is the whole phishing education detection, the whole test, right? So it's trying to identify the weak links in your human elements that's become popular. Uh, I think that you're starting to see some of that dwindle, but I know internally we try to quote unquote, like trick our employees every week with phishing campaigns <laughs> and you identify, you know, there's, if the only thing you do is train them for 20 minutes, the first day they're onboarded, you're probably going to have a problem. Right. So I think, yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. Like, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I think, um, the human element is where they're, you know, the, uh, cyber criminals are getting in, you know, they're, they're exploiting, um, you know, an uneducated employee. And then that's kind of what I think companies should be doing more of is educating. We, you know, we get the education all the time. Um, you know, and we're very, like you said, you know, we internally, we, we try to find out who is vulnerable to clicking on these suspicious links. And then, you know, we, we educate them, you know, and I think that's, that's a very good start for a company. Yeah. I think there's the, that side of it. And then once, I think you can't be unrealistic to think that you're not going to have an attack. All right. And then it's either from a technology standpoint is, you know, keeping that attack, you know, as small as possible and not letting these things spread vertically across your network. So I know there's a lot of companies invested in both the, there's the detection and, but the big thing is the monitoring and stopping these things from spreading, right? If, right. If, one person clicks a bad link and whatever they download some crazy stuff and it gets, gets all hog wild on their computer. Like just, if you can isolate it to that, that endpoint, great. Uh, it's just where it starts to spread and move throughout your network is, is the, you know, it's bad. So right. you know, I would just say there's the technology type. I think the easiest thing for a company to do is the hammer education hammer. Like, like every time you see a link in an email, the first thing you should think is like, should I actually be clicking this? Right. It's like, Oh my God, like, you know, hover over the link. You know, right. There's so there's, I think today given you should expect to have the uh, attachment filtering, the whole link filtering that should be a given. And now it's how can I make sure that my humans, you know, don't, aren't the weak link. Right. So. Right. And, you know, we do the same here and, you know, I, sometimes I think it's rudimentary, but then I, I'll get an email sometimes and I'm like, that was really well done. You know, like it's, they kind of mimic like an Amazon email and it's like, wow, that looks pretty official. Um, and then I notice a misspelling somewhere and I'm like, Ooh, okay. Like they almost, I mean, they didn't almost get me, but I'm like, you know, I'm very, very, you know, suspicious of, of about emails that come outside the company anyway. And then when I look, I'm like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this was really well done. They're getting more sophisticated. You'd be surprised how many times our HR department gets routing change uh, instructions for the like C-suite of our company, hmm. right? So they'd be like, oh, John's sending me an email to change his routing number on his paycheck to like over here. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten pretty good. Um, but I think now people can sniff that stuff out and then having right. the policies, right? The, the planning, the policies in place, like, for example, like, HR is a very, you know, fruitful target and having policies like, hey, nobody can change routing numbers without like the actual employee going onto a portal and doing it themselves, right? It's right. Like, you need to lock down the policies and procedures side of it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it comes up like having a, having a plan, like, this is how we do things. This is how we follow it, monitor it, keep it up to date, you know, and just, you know, hope it works. Right. 
All right, so let's talk social media. Um, it seems it's an often overlooked area when it comes to information security. Can you tell us about the vulnerabilities social media presents and how companies can remediate them? Yeah, I think I think a lot of companies, you know, on the technology side, it's kind of one of those things that since it sits out mostly outside the network of your know, core infrastructure, it kind of is the like redheaded stepchild. It just kind of like gets left behind in terms of the security right. aspect of it. But you know, I think you see the companies, you know, at the end of the day as a business, if your stuff gets hacked, you're probably getting it back. You're going to get your account back eventually. But like what damage is being done, brand damage? I think when 2018 and 15 of the 32 NFL teams all got their Twitter accounts hacked in like a matter of a day. I mean, it's just, I think it's a lot of it's just the embarrassment side of it. Now there's the brand damage and then, you know, being able to all of a sudden, if I control the ASI, Facebook account, I can message ASI employees, have them send me, you know, all sorts of gift cards and people think it's legit. So there's, you know, the financial aspects of it, but, you know, it just, you know, it needs to be reined in and it's an issue. And, you know, what do you value your embarrassment of brand damage at? So. Right. Right. So, um, you know, a big thing now, you know, especially with social media, um, third-party tools, like we use third-party tools for scheduling content through our social media. Um, so right now, you know, there's a big emphasis on a multi-factor authentication. Um, can you give us a little bit of a definition of what that is and should companies be integrating it into their social media security? Yeah. I would say the biggest, I mean, just the social media and everything, the biggest thing you can do is turn on, you know, multi-factor authentication. Like, so you hear, like, you'll see like, 2FA, MFA, uh, SSO, or well, SSO is kind of a little bit of a different world, but basically literally post you all of my social media passwords live in this Facebook stream. And there is a 0% chance that you would be able to join or connect to any of my social media accounts. Why is that? Because every social media account I have has two-factor authentication. So unless you, you know, uh, kidnap me, cut my index finger off and can access my phone, you're not going to get on my social media accounts. All right. So hopefully nobody tries that. But uh, <laughs> but the whole concept is, is like you need your two-factor authentication, multi-factor. You need your username and password plus something else. And that something else comes in. A text message, right? That's the low-hanging fruit, easiest one to implement. Um, companies like Starline, we're using physical, either physical keys or authenticator apps. Uh, that's what you also see. Um, a lot of companies are going to where you, you know, you, every 30 seconds, your banks probably do this. Every 30 seconds, your authenticator app generates a new six digit number. And then that's constantly refreshing. And then that's your second level of authentication. So honestly, when I present now, especially to internally to our sales team, I'll stop a presentation and be like, all right. I'm not going to go forward until everybody in this room turns on two-factor authentication for your social media. It's just, it's the easiest thing to do with the most protection. Like if you do nothing today, like at all, like even at work or in your like personal life, but if you only go on your phone and scroll through like network and securities and hit that turn on two-factor authentication, all this stuff just go, 99% of this stuff just goes away. Right. right. And you don't, I, it's such a peace of mind. And it, it's so simple and I don't understand why people don't do it. it right. It's the quickest solution. I think you're seeing comp obviously companies, we do it here. I know the largest suppliers all have multi-factor authentication. It's, it's yes, it's a pain 
pain in the ass that I can't log onto my computer without getting a, a, a notification code sent to my phone and I have to click OK or I have to have, have physical key plugged into my computer. But I know that my account is secure because back to cutting my finger off, the only way you're getting it is, you know, stealing my phone. So, and so I think, you know, it, I, it's been around. I'm still shocked that it's not just widely implemented and enforced everywhere. Yeah, I agree. You know, we've been doing it for a while for our email, um, you know, but when it comes to social media, I think a lot of people are starting to kind of, uh, you know, adopt it. And, you know, I've been doing it for my social media, especially for my third party tools. Um, and you're right. It's, it's very simple. And as long as you have, like, I have the, um, the app on my phone. So when I log into a, you know, a social media site, it's not every single time it's, you know, it's periodically, they will send you the, you know, Hey, we need that code. You just go to your phone, boom, you know, and you know, everything is safe. So that is, uh, you know, I agree with you. I think multi-factor authentication is going to be huge going forward in protecting social media uh, accounts. So let me talk, let me ask you about passwords. Um, how how often should passwords be changed for social media? I guess, I guess backing up to what I just said, it, if you have two-factor authentication, it matters less, right? But I think there's just good password policies in general to have, right? I mean. Obviously, there's you could you know fire up the Google again and you know read everything you want about length and, and complexities of passwords. But I have no clue what any of my passwords are for anything. Like it's all stored in an app on my phone, which has multi-factor authentication. It's you know, you know they can change periodically. Don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Right. I would say yeah, just good practice. You know, I think monthly is kind of a little bit much. Um, I would, wouldn't go anything outside of quarterly, right. but back to the thing, it doesn't really matter if you have multi-factor authentication. Uh, you know, I, I would say back to the connected apps thing about two months ago, my Instagram account kept getting attempts to log in, meaning that somehow something had my password and my username and I would get these notifications. Like there's an attempt in California to log into your account and it was never successful because I had multi-factor authentication. Then I couldn't, I kept resetting my password and it kept happening. And I come to find out I had this super sketchy uh, browser plugin that I was using for Craigslist um, that was monitoring like certain keywords. And I was, I was actually trying to buy a canoe. And I was trying, I was tracking down within certain radiuses. Like, you know, this is, you know, anytime a canoe is posted on Craigslist, you know, notify me, pop it up in my Gmail, all that stuff. And this, this um, plugin was a little sketchy huh. and that was what was fit was, you know, taking my credentials from Instagram. So as soon as I like figured out the source of it, but the, at the end of the day, it had my username and password, like, cool. Like, here's my password. It's not right. used anywhere else. Good luck. And it never took over my account because I had the second step. Sure. So you mentioned a password app. Can you give us a little bit more information on what you use? Yes, yeah, so I use LastPass. Uh, it's pretty popular. There's a bunch of them out there, right? I just, there's probably five that are really, really good. Uh, I'm personally a fan of LastPass because it has family. So if you're just your person family features, right? Some month, right? There's there's a free version, 100%. You can do the free version, but once you get into the paid version, you can share it with your family. You can uh, there's a whole business aspect of it too. So, for example, Promo Sanders uses LastPass for all of our 
all of our passwords and then the board of directors shares a within our last pass accounts we can share these passwords amongst ourselves so there's corporate aspects of it as well as um personal and the cool part is like literally you can run password policy tests right say uh is your password policy you know this these passwords are too are being used in multiple places your popular sites LastPass will automatically go in and update all your passwords for you but like i said I have no clue what any of my passwords <laughs> are, right? It's all managed on my phone, and I and I don't care what most of them are. And right. I could give you them, and you still wouldn't be able to log into ninety nine percent right. of my sites. Right. So, uh, Scott Scott Nussenau said Keeper. I think that's what he uses. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is you know, I think a lot of people are in a situation where they have so many passwords for so many things that they need a tool like this, and I and I think people have to start to realize that now is the time to kind of start taking ownership of that. And I think that's, you know, having an app like that, that controls and stores all of your passwords, I think is, is clutch in trying to kind of rein in all these passwords and access because, you know, we have so many logins nowadays, um, social media aside, we have tons of, of logins everywhere. Um, and, you know, having a password keeper is, I think it's, it's, it's clutch for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I tell the story a lot. My, I walk into one of our sales reps office one day and there's this piece of paper that he's rifling through. I'm like, what's that? And there's just like stuff written over. He's like, these are my passwords. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> like, please stop doing that. Like, like there's this thing called the internet. It has tools to take that piece of paper you have Right. and convert it to electronic means right so, yeah don't be that person with that piece of paper with 175 passwords or even worse don't store it in excel on your desktop on oh. excel file yeah did I, you were breaking up there for yeah. a second yeah <laughs> the uh so what were you the, saying about the, the excel web like, yeah i was saying don't store it in excel uh, in a, a file on your desktop called passwords yeah so, yeah always you know. a bad idea all right, so let me ask you about bigger companies, um, especially those with franchisees and affiliates. You know, they might have multiple different business accounts and more than one person managing their social media. Is there an easy solution to reining in the social media security for businesses that, you know, have a large presence? I'd say no. Um, no, the, <laughs> I'd say use third-party tools, right? Like use a if you're managing 10 to 15 accounts, use a Hootsuite that has built-in security features. I mean, I guess my general take is, and it's a great business philosophy of security, like make it somebody else's problem. Like why should somebody use ASI's software and ASI's, you know, business solutions? Because now security is your problem. It's not, you know, whether somebody gets hacked is ASI's problem and not so much the individual user's problem. So same thing and with this, you know, as use you know hootsuite they have a ton of plugins like zero fox they have social monitoring streams they can right. you know look for brand spam there's if you use those tools it'll be like okay you know this random account here has suspicious activity and it could shut that down and auto change passwords so i guess the easiest thing is don't just try to log into your browser on your mobile phone um and just hope that that's the method now at the end of the day back to the i guess backing up 10 steps if your phone is your device that your two-factor authentication is, don't have your phone unlocked, right? That's the worst thing. If your phone gets stolen physically, the first thing they're gonna do is like, try to log into your stuff, you know, grab the two-factor authentication and just 
plug in a text message. So I know in our two-factor authentication app internally, um, we actually get to see whose phones are unlocked. So we can be like, okay, like Vinny hasn't, uh, doesn't have a password on his phone or his password's weak. And we go to that person and be like, hey, it's a good life skill to have, you know, a password or a fingerprint or anything on your phone to right. log in. So, right. you know, I, but back to the, you know, larger company thing, he's just, there are, there are lots of companies who have invented tools to, to solve these problems. Don't think that your Excel file or your notepad piece of paper and all your passwords is the solution to doing this. So use right. them. All right. Great, great advice from John Norris. Now, um, do you have any final advice uh, for businesses looking to step up their social uh, media security game? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing is don't go at it blind. Create a policy, right? I think if you're just hey, every once in a while we change our passwords. You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, have a written policy at your company, have a, somebody who's in charge of it, an owner of social, right? At the end of the day, where that person can go in and say, you know, all right, Vinny, he can post and he can respond to comments, but he can't make other admins or he, you know, it's locking down who has access to do what. Don't just make everybody a full admin of everything, right? right. Go in routinely check who has permissions watch well you need to be in sync with your hr department of if this person no longer works at your company maybe you should restrict their access to being an admin on your social accounts right so but then they that all gets taken care of by having a policy and right. regularly reviewing that and just education people know right. you know every month benny goes in and checks to see if any rogue permissions have been set on all of our social accounts and now we know that, it, you know, it's not going to go hog wild on us. Right. So very, very good advice. I mean, social media is certainly, you know, it presents a challenge. You know, we've been dealing with it for a couple of years now, trying to rein in everybody who has a social media account connected to our brand and trying to rein in the fact that these people come, they set up a profile and then they leave. And then what happens? You know, they take away all, they take with them all that information. Then, you know, there's got to be a better way, an easier way, and there are tools and solutions out there. Um, but that's great advice, John. Um, before I go, I need to ask you, both of us are, are big football fans, um, and today is the first day of the NFL football season. Who do you got in the Super Bowl? All right. Well, not just because I'm a homer here, but um, considering that the Bills are going to get two easy wins over the Jets – <laughs> um, two easy wins over the Patriots and, you know, maybe one win over the Dolphins. Um, I'm just going to call the Bills after going 13-4, and four, beating Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship, are going to avenge their longtime rivalry with Tom Brady, who beat us, what, 22 out of 24 times when he was in New England. Um, Bills, Bucks, Super Bowl, Bills by a long shot. So, Wow, look at you go. So this is what I have. I have the Bills over the Chiefs All right. in the AFC. I think the Bills are going to have an excellent year. Um, I also think the Chiefs are going to have an excellent year, but I, I do I do like the Bills a little bit more uh, than the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs offensively are phenomenal. Um, they've been phenomenal, but I think defensively, I think the Bills are better. Um, I have Packers over Rams in the NFC. I think – you think I think the this Rogers is the year. Going to keep it together for a full season. I think so. I think Tom. I think this is the year Tom Brady. Something happens to him, and not not bad. The but I just think ACL injury that, right. that Bills fans have been looking for for twenty two years. <laughs>
Yeah, I just don't think. What is he? Seventy-seven years old now. I I think that Tom Brady is. He's just due. Uh, unless he's really a robot, I just can't see this guy playing at the level he played last year. Even though he had uh, a knee issue. Um, but I just don't think the Buccaneers are going to make it this year. So I have Packers over Rams. Super Bowl. I have Packers over Bills. Oof, that that hurts. The cheese heads rejoice. Look, All right, I have a question for you. What's the Jets' final record this year? The Jets are going to be competitive. They have a lot of injuries this year already from camp. Already. They lost their two defensive ends. Um, so they're going to be hurting on the defensive line. But they're always a good defensive team. Offensively, they're going to be better than last year. I say 5-12 and 12 or 6-11. I, I, look, the Jets are going to be competitive. Teams are going to come out of games kind of banged up a little bit. Um, I think Zach Wilson's going to be pretty good in his first year. But again, it's the Jets. <laughs> I'd be happy with <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy with six or seven wins. Um, that would be a win for me as a Jets fan. Um, I see good things in the future. I love our new coach. I think he's exactly what the Jets need. Um, but again, they're not going to compete. The Bills are by far and away um, the best team in in the AFC. At least the to me, I think East. AFC East. Look, New England is Mac Jones. You know they're putting all their their money on Mac Jones. We'll see. Um, but and I, I would be remiss as a Bills fan to not remind you that the Bills are the actually only New York uh, NFL team. So. <laughs> that's true hey i grew up 10 minutes from giant stadium um and i used to kind of get offended that the new york fans would be like oh this is our team you know i'm like dude they yeah. play new jersey They're, you know what are you talking about no it, it's a good point um but yeah i'm excited for this season i really am i hope that covid doesn't wreak havoc like it did last year um yeah. because that can certainly affect you know, games and players and all that. Um, who knows? Yeah, maybe like we'll have Colby maybe the Jets will through attrition will make it to the Super Bowl because the other teams don't have any players. Um, but man, uh, it, it, I'm looking forward to the season tremendously. Oh, we got some uh, Patriots fans in the old uh, chat there. That's gross. Yeah, Scott says Bills are looking great, and he also says Jets equals football's train wreck. You don't have to tell me, <laughs> Scott. I'm a I'm a huge Jets fan, and it's been painful the last five years or so. Um, well, actually, most of my life. But in the 90s, they were – late 90s, they were pretty good. Um, yeah, so uh, Brian Porter says Chiefs, and I don't know if he was going – maybe he just thinks the Chiefs are going to win. He's a big Chiefs homer. I lost uh, – I had to send him 50 Buffalo Wings last year when the Chiefs beat the Bills in the playoffs. So yeah. It's not good. No boy, no. no. Yeah, it's going to, like you said, I think there's going to, it's going to be a rematch. And I think the Bills just, they're too good defensively. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Well, anyway, John, thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun uh, learning about social media security, cybersecurity, how to protect yourself and your business against any cyber terrorism. Um, so, anybody who wants to get a hold of you, can you uh, give them your information? Yeah, um, you can always hit me up, uh, jnorris at starline.com. Just uh, letter J, Uncle Chuck Norris, right? Right, he's a big, big uncle of mine. Um, obviously, I was fortunate enough on Facebook to grab the handle Norris. So I am Facebook 
facebook.com forward slash Norris. I sat up at midnight and at the second that those uh, custom vanity URLs became available, I grabbed my last name. So oh, wow. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I've participated on all the, all the active socials. So hit me up. Uh, like I said earlier with Benny, I'm a big lurker, but if something <laughs> catches my attention. I'll certainly give you my opinion, right or wrong. So be good times. I, I like throwing out the likes on Twitter, so I'll yeah. just, uh, I'll, I'll like whatever. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll be tagging you on Twitter this Friday to get in our space. Uh, but again, John, thank you so much for your time today. All right, Benny. It's been a good time. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us.